Yeah, it'll be good. We'll be good if we can keep it to forty-five tonight. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to play the intro. Here we are with Tuesday Night Live again for another round. Uh, always a good week after a showdown week. So over to you, Pete, to get us fired up and ready to go. Yeah, thanks, Pete. And uh, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Crowcast tonight. Of course, we're live as we are every Tuesday night. So if you want to uh, get online and, and abuse us or tell us something you want us to put over the air or whatever it is, uh, get online and give us your comments. Uh, always good to hear from everybody. And um, tonight joining us, of course, Phoenix, as you just heard, and Dan Oz. How are we tonight, gents? Very well, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very, very good. And as you say, always a, uh, a bounce in the step after uh, you, we uh, rolled a showdown. It uh, was uh, I was at the game on Saturday afternoon. It was terrific to be there. Fantastic crowd, 51 odd thousand and um, beautiful day. And it was just a really, really uh, good day to be at the floor. It was also good to watch it on TV. I did have a look at it on Sunday morning. I watched the game again, and uh, yeah, you could watch it uh, two or three times over. That's for sure. Yeah, I've, I reckon I've watched it about three or four times now. <laughs> so, what was the uh, the big uh, takeaway from that game? What did we uh, What did we like? I loved the Gov. He was fantastic. I reckon. Really adds something, doesn't he? I I was worried if we were going to have too tall a forward line um, with him and Lynch and Walker and Jenkins, but they, geez, they work well together. Yeah, and the fact that Jenkins doesn't, I mean, he, he's tall, but he's kind of a bit of a conundrum. So uh, having that extra tall marking option is not a bad thing up there, I don't reckon. I guess for me, I uh, went to the game, as I said, and I, I sat on the... Um, the third tier of the Western stand. So I had a really, um, and, and, and I was sort of right at the front there and had a really good view looking over the ground. And so I was able to get a fairly good bird's eye view of, of the game plan and seeing, seeing how it all fanned out. And um, it was really interesting to watch us set up and uh, and the way that we set it up from defence and, uh, and left so much space up the ground and um, ran in waves from across half back. And I was interested today, Phoenix, to see that, um, uh, graph that you put up from the AFL website, which had the hot spot where, where most of the game was played, and um, just across that sort of you know a little bit of uh, patch of grass between around about half back, just um, towards the D50 and and in and around there, and it was really interesting to see that's where most of the game was played, and I think that that was pretty much on our terms, and um, and we we're able to launch from there. It was uh, it was interesting to watch. It was quite fascinating, actually, because I think um, we had something like 181 pos- uh, possessions between centre and the defensive 50 line. So th- probably about two-thirds of our total possession count was in that little sector of the ground um, and only 66 possessions in the forward 50 for, for you know, 35-odd scoring shots or whatever it was. Um, fascinating little picture of... Um, 
of uh, our game plan. I, I would have. I was trying to find, and I couldn't find um, any map that showed where we kicked our goals from and where they kicked their goals from. Um, hopefully, something like that surfaces because I reckon we scored from a lot deeper um, on average than what what they did. I think they they were forced to kick their goals from a fair way out. There certainly wasn't a lot of, uh, to, to my memory, there wasn't a lot of difficult shots that we had. There wasn't sort of many spectacular goals that, uh, that to be had. It, it was very much a case of the forward line was very, very open, a lot of space for our guys to run into. And I think I made the point on Thursday or Friday, one of the things that I was concerned about for Port uh, was that I just thought that they they looked a little bit slow on paper. Um, and the way that they push up on that zone um, to have guys like Trengove and Carlisle and Homsch and a very good player, Homsch, don't get me wrong, terrific player, but none of them are fast. And uh, there was always the chance, I thought, that uh, that, that we could get them, but I, I didn't think it would be to that extent, that's for sure. What I liked best, I think, of all was that our centre, our midfield wasn't dominant. No, it was a very so good spread. Yeah, and it hasn't been. It hasn't been dominant even through the NAB challenge games. And if you have a look at the statistics, uh, we're very even on clearances, centre breaks, um, and um, and contested possession, um, very even. And uh, obviously they won the inside 50 count as well. So I think that obviously, you know, your first what you're really trying to do, of course, is win win the contest and get the ball going forward. You don't, you don't want to deliberately concede territory, and I don't think anybody would be suggesting that with you know intentionally trying to get the ball going backwards so that we can start from back there. But what we're trying to do, I guess, is to have a fallback position where if we we do lose that contest, and I, I and I think that we're not deploying the you know the resources that we were you know, over the last three or four years where you know, everything hinged on winning that contest and everybody getting in and trying to get that, win that contest. Um, we seem, you know, if we lose that contest, then we're content to uh, uh, to have the ball sort of around about our half-back area. And then we're pushing our wings, wings, wingmen back. We've got those, I think I made the point through the week, we've got those traditional wingmen in Atkins and Seisman and they're playing very, very traditional wing roles and they're pushing right back into defence and so that we've got a line across there of... Um, Seedsman Smith, Atkins, and, and I think that Roy Sloan had a role down there as well. He seemed yeah, to do it a number of times where he burst from half back as well and was that outlet and um, and actually disposed of the ball pretty well on a few occasions. So we seem to have you know good quality and and good numbers back there, and then we run in a wave um, and uh, and of course um, try and um, flick past that that zone um, as quick as we can. Sloaney, that the noticeable tweak seemed to be um, against the Kangaroos. Tex was playing, uh, running up uh, almost to the uh, defensive fifty to get the outlet, whereas um, against Port Adelaide, um, that role had been passed to Sloaney, and Tex was playing a little bit uh, um, forward of centre. He, he didn't venture past the uh, centre of the ground very often, so that was a very noticeable tweak. The other thing that um, Nikki and I touched on very briefly at the end on Sunday night was the woeful dif- disposal efficiency of the Port Adelaide midfielders. None of them actually got over 60% disposal efficiency for the game. And we're talking six players, Ebert, Sam Gray, Travis Boak, um, you know... Uh, Robbie Gray. 
Robbie Gray, none of them over 60%, Wines. which was quite like uh, without without really having taken much notice of it during the game, it would be interesting to see whether that was as a result of our pressure or just um, their poor disposal. But um, I, I want to see our game plan against a, a methodical team like Hawthorne or, or Sydney um, and see whether the structure... Um, holds up because I don't think Port really challenged it to any great degree. And yet uh, North Melbourne definitely did challenge it because I don't think the way we played against North Melbourne was all that greatly different from the way we played against Port. Um, But North Melbourne were... I think um, Skipos posted really well today in in, so far as um, his view that, that Richmond play a similar game style to us. I haven't really had a close look at Richmond, to be honest, but happy to take his word from it. He's, uh, he's an excellent poster. And I, I think that he, he mentioned that there is a, um, a very a great similarity in the game styles and that, um, it, that that may present a significant challenge this week as to how we're going to, to do that. And that may end up being a bit more of a contested game than, than what it was uh, on Saturday. But I tend to agree. I think that we could probably have a whole separate podcast on where Port Adelaide are at the moment. They are in a, a yeah. world of hurt. Uh, I, I think that they've got significant outs um, and as much as it pains me to make any kind of excuse for the old enemy, the reality is is that they're missing a lot of players. Boat is nowhere near fit. Saw him trying to run around on Saturday and um, he's not fit and I'm not even sure why he's playing, to be honest, because he kicked a couple of goals, but he's much... For, you know, for what he's actually giving to the side, I'm sure that they must lose in the long run in terms of his um, recovery and recuperation from whatever injury he's got. So he's not fit. They'll miss Wingard this weekend. The no, Hartlett will no. be out. Wingard's not even on their injury list. Those heart muscles no, can... Big, those... big, word, big words going around tonight that, uh, that he'll miss. Is there? Because I had a look at the AFL injury list um, updated today um, just before we came on. Um, and he's not listed at all. That, that, that one was dropped on um, on radio this afternoon that he okay. he won't be playing. So that, so let's if we assume that's correct, then they they've lost Wingard, they've lost Hartlett, um, Boke's not fit. They've lost White. They've lost um, Schultz. Schultz and obviously Ryder and Mumphreys. You know they're they're suspended. But so that I mean they've got they're in a, they're in a world of hurt. And um, whilst I think that they'll probably get across and you know, they'll get past Essendon. Uh, absolute no fate accompli for them this weekend. No, the Bombers to... will be up and about too. I'll tell you what, for all the uh, the punters out there, if you're having a, if you have a look at the punters thread that I've set up, uh, I reckon the value bet of the uh, the weekend has to be Essendon at the line, fifty one and a half points they're getting, and so you know I can barely see Port. Beating it, I mean, they, I think they probably should beat them, but I can't see them beating them by over fifty points. So I reckon at a dollar ninety, that's a pretty good bet. Can someone explain to me how Port Adelaide gets three weeks in a row at home at the start of the season? Well, we get that at the end of the season. I think you'll find, and it's no, because we don't. don't we? No, we've got we've got three um, three lots during the year of two weeks in a row where where we're at home. Um, one of those is because of the buyer, because Port's not playing, and um, another one is because of the other 
Ah, showdown. I just think it's a little bit odd that we were okay with that. Yeah, but how else could you do it? Give us three weeks in a row somewhere as well. Yeah, I guess so. Most most other teams, all the Victorian teams can, some of the Victorian teams can have seven or eight or nine or ten games in a row and they don't even leave Melbourne. Yeah, that's true. Well, Western Bulldogs don't even get outside until about round five. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't do badly in the last four rounds. We um we're we're home three out of four weeks in the last four rounds, so that's not too bad. Yeah, gives us a good run into the finals then. Yeah, um, Miller Atkins show um, makes a good point on the chat too. He, he mentions that we're a much better kicking uh, team this season, which is something that Pikey mentioned on the couch uh, was one of their key uh, off season uh, focuses. Um, and you can notice our, our disposal is considerably better. And even though we're giving reflex uh, gives often, you know, as we're cutting through the zone, we've got there's enough players running in support there that even if the handball's a little bit off, um, it doesn't seem to have much of a negative impact. So uh, uh, it's a far when you, when you actually drill down, it's a far different setup than what it was last year. What I've noticed most about clearances is that when we're not getting the ball and smacking it forward. Um, yeah. Immediately as we get it, there's a, a obvious look around to see where the ball needs to go. Can I sorry? Can I just quickly um, duck back to the issue of the fixture, Danos? Um, we we end up with four out of the last five games at home. That, that's pretty good. It's the least they could do for us. <laughs> so that's I guess that's a, a breakdown of the game plan. I thought it was really interesting. And um, I, I thought that that uh, little diagram that you posted today, Phoenix, was uh, an extremely useful little bit of information and it gave us a real insight into, into how we're playing the game. Um, how do we think that that's going to hold up against uh, the Tigers on, on Saturday? Well, I watched I, the... Sorry, Danos, you go first. I think that um, Richmond has been pretty terrible so far this season. Yeah. Um, they definitely shouldn't have lost to, to, to our Collingwood. And we've seen what Carlton are like after their game against Sydney. I think that um, we we should rightly go in favourites. But knowing Victoria, we probably won't. And I think that can only benefit us because um, I think we're the better side and I think we should win. Well, no one's taking us seriously yet. We got zero airtime uh, last night on any of the footy shows apart from on the couch. Um, but I watched Richmond and Collingwood bumble their way around the Oval for a couple of hours last Friday night. None of them knew how to win. Um, the skill errors, the, the, uh, just the general lack of positive... Um, um, energy from either of those teams. They were hesitant. Uh, neither of them looked like they knew how to win. So Richmond brings anything like that sort of endeavour um, against us, us and we'll, we'll, we'll smack them. Having said that, it's Richmond and uh, over there they have had the wood on us, I think, uh, in recent times. So, um, you know, we're still going to have to be playing at our best. But personally, I don't think they've got, they, they won't get within five goals. I think um, I, I was just 
posting a little while ago that I think if Ivan comes back to the side, it's a massive in for them, um, even though he probably won't be match fit. Um, I just think that he gives them some spirit and he gives them some drive. And I think that he it might sound strange to say this, but it's almost as that he, he, he gives them someone to answer to. And I, and I, I don't see that in Richmond's leadership. I don't see that there's anybody there that, you know, um, someone intimidating that, you know, that from your own team that you feel like you've got to answer to if you balls up like you did on on uh, Friday night. So well, I think that Ivan is a massive Koch, in. No, that's right. Absolutely not. And Delidio, these guys, just they don't, don't seem to have that kind of presence to me. But I think that Ivan back in the team, I think that gives them a real presence in that way. I actually think it would be a desperation selection if they pick Ivan. He's been out with a back, so he'll be terribly short of gallop. Um, and I think they'd be better off running a fit Ruckman, if, even if he's only a second stringer, because uh, bringing Ivan in just to get towed by Source, um, I think it'll actually do them more harm than good. Um, Edwards obviously may come in after a hand injury, but they've still got Delidio out. Um, they, they just don't look right, Richmond. They, they look confused. So we haven't played Richmond at Etihad since it was called Telstra Dome in 2006. Was that since the basketball then, game? Uh, Wallace? 60, Richmond 69 defeated Adelaide. Oh, where'd you go? 66. Yeah, Richmond's... I reckon that was the, I reckon that's the basketball game. I was there. Yeah, that was a game that uh, Wallace played keepings off and we couldn't do anything about it. I was at that game. I think so. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. The last, the three games before that, we won by 80 points, 60 points and 70 points. Well, that blows me out of the water. So I think the one after that, uh, they beat us by three points and it wouldn't be surprising if that's the game that you guys are talking about. Yeah. And they haven't beaten us over here for a while, have they? Just trying to switch between Mumble. Yeah, and, they they and, won. Uh, the, they, apart, we beat them here last year, but the two years prior to that, they won here. Okay. Oh, so since know. then, we've played we've played them in Melbourne uh, three times and Tasmania once, uh, and we've beaten them by fifty points, lost by twenty points, and lost by forty points. Yeah, that last one was the um, that was the killer. Was no, it was the year we played them when Sanderson was coaching us, wasn't it? That was the killer. That was uh, twenty thirteen, round twelve, lost by 40, 38 points at the MCG. Yeah, I reckon it was. I reckon I know the one you're thinking of, Phoenix. It was the one. I reckon it was twenty fourteen, and it was Fantastic. a uh, cold, miserable night at Adelaide Oval, and. Um, we should have won that game. We're in front in the last quarter, and uh, I reckon, I reckon Dusty Martin was matched up on Ricky Henderson, and Ricky just fell over, and Dusty went oh, and yeah. winning, winning goals. That's right. Horrible. Yep. That's Another one right. of those Jack Zebel type situations, eh? Yeah. Sure was. At least we've got Cole Cheney to fix that for us now. Tell you what, so you'd I have, think you'd have Dusty Martin in your team any day of the week, wouldn't you? Oh, he's an yeah. enormous player. Yeah. Enormous player. Don't argue with him, though. No. All right, it should be an interesting game on Saturday. I, I just looking at a bit of news that came through just late 
um, in the evening. Um, this evening is the news that uh, one Lachlan Neal yes. from the Fremantle Dockers has put talks on hold. Yes. What do you make of that? Well, the, word, the official word is that um, he wants to wait until at least a third of the way through the season and that Fremantle is still his first protocol. So playing a nice straight bat at the moment, but I'll tell you what. Um, look, there's no doubt he'll be on the trade table um, for them to get a big forward. And we've got a couple of forwards. Yeah, but we don't want to give them any of ours. They can take McCarthy from GWS. Oh, I don't want to give Lockie Neal to bloody GWS. No, we'll take... No, no, no I think, we'll I just think work it'll out be added. We'll it'll be a circular trade. Yeah, it'll be a circular trade, mate. I, I, I can't see us giving up any any players at this stage, but I, it'll be something like um, us sending something to GWS and them sending McCarthy to Frio and Frio sending Lockie to us. Probably yeah, be in the, in the realm of a first-round pick, you'd think. Yeah, well, I mean, Lockie Neal was picked 54 or something, mid-50s, wasn't he? So, Don't know about that. Yeah, 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 yeah he was. Sure. Third round or fourth round or something. Um, so um, pretty good money ball there by um, Frio, if nothing else. I'll tell you what, we had a few chances to pick him up as well. We uh, That was the draft. We uh, we picked up uh, Kerridge and then Joyce and then Grigg and then Ellis Yolman. <laughs> All the time, Lockie's still sitting there. <laughs> Bloody Joyce, that was the one. Anyway, yeah, I noticed that, that was, too. Um, I... Not one of Randall's finest drafts, that one. No. Surely someone at the club insisted on Nick Joyce. Seriously. But anyway, he um, he would be a wonderful pick-up. Um, I've pushed that barrow uh, on the boards, and I think that he will be a terrific pick-up. He finds plenty of the ball, gets lots of clearances, and I think that uh, he would be a very, very handy acquisition. And I think, you know, it's all very well... To say, look, you know, we but we, we we want this star midfielder or that star midfielder. You've actually got to get someone that's available and wants to come to your club. Yeah. And so, if you can get somebody that's actually a ready-made, I mean, he he was he was all Australian squad last year, and uh, you know, people forget that he was all Australian squad, uh, all Australian squad midfielder, and you know, he, he averages twenty-seven possessions a game, and he's only played seventy games. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely uh, plenty of upside still in Lockie Neal. You imagine him running around with uh, the two crouches. Um, that's a little oh, bit sweet. Yeah. It's a pretty hard-nosed midfield. It is. It is. Um, anyone see Luke Beveridge on um, Footy Classified last night? No, I didn't see it. Me either. Yeah, interesting. Uh, they had him on, um, and Caro has asked him a little bit about his views on, yes, I know you hate it, Peter, but the Essendon situation, because obviously they've got Cromery and Prismal uh, directly involved or impacted by that. And yet another AFL um, person uh, playing the victim card, saying that, uh, you know, the players didn't set out to do anything wrong and Kaz was treating them the same as they would treat a European cyclist who may have had, you know... Uh, the the benefit of knowing what's involved in in uh, the sport from a drug point of view, whereas AFL players have never known, just made me weep. But the more interesting comment that he made 
uh, or or section of the interview was uh, with regards to Michael Talia. Um, they put him on the spot, basically, saying that they treated Tars pretty hard uh, with regards to um, his exit from the club, um, and that uh, they Luke Beveridge basically didn't speak to him after. Uh, uh, the Cole Chaney revelations came out. Uh, the club basically didn't accept the AFL's findings. Um, and the person that Luke Beveridge feels most sorry for is Cole Chaney. So uh, he wasn't taking a step back uh, with regards to his thoughts on Michael Talia um, and that whole little uh, thing. Grudgingly said that it didn't change the result, but that's about as far as it went. Um, I recently spoke to someone who's uh, quite close with the Bulldogs and uh, they were absolutely certain that Michael shared information with Daniel that shouldn't have been shared, um, although he is fairly confident that, that Adelaide didn't act on that information. So um, I'm not surprised that Beveridge didn't back down on his stance on Michael Talia. Beveridge is a, a pretty interesting cat too. At one stage uh, during that little discussion, uh, Caro made mention of the fact that, because it was Damien Barrett that broke that story apparently, and Barrett had tried to approach Beveridge at one stage to get Beveridge's um, side, um, and Beveridge hadn't returned his calls, and, and they were having a little back and forth and Barrett said, well, you know, I tried to get hold of you and Beveridge was basically turned around and said, well, I don't talk to journalists. If you want to talk to me, you go through my manager. I don't re- I don't return calls of journalists. So he uh, was very forthright um, in basically smashing Barrett out of the park. Um, so I don't know. He just seems a very um, intense sort of a single-minded sort of a character. Interesting perspective. Perfect head coach material, in my opinion. As long as things are going well. As long as he's got player buy-in. As soon as he hasn't got player buy-in, that thing falls apart very quickly. Well, that'll be interesting to to track as it goes forward then. Yeah. I I think coaches like that have a little bit of a shelf life. Yeah, well, probably, in some respects, probably not dissimilar to Ken Hinckley, um, who may find himself under the pump a little bit in the second half of the year if they don't do something. Yeah, no doubt. Kenny's got his problems, that's for sure. Um, one, one of the things that I did want to have a chat about tonight was the reserves, and uh, they ended up with a pretty good result um, after struggling for, for three quarters and eventually got themselves across the line with some good performances from some uh, senior players. But really interested in the form of Troy Menzel, um, you sometimes have to be careful that it, you know a good SNFL player um, who you know who gets the best players every week doesn't necessarily make a good AFL player. Um, Troy wasn't in uh, the top seven players named by the club in the best players, and yet reports were that he played very very well and and did some very very good things. And so I'm just wondering, did any guy either of you guys see any of the match on Sunday? No. I've unfortunately got nothing to add on that. Um, all I've got in front of me is the stats, but um, it doesn't look like he was um, 
in the game very much. Only had 16 possessions, so. Yeah, no, I didn't see it, Pete. Um, I read a little bit of the uh, reviews on the board, um, so I don't know how. Uh, by all reports, um, everyone was pretty shit until the last quarter. The interesting um, issue that uh, Nick and I did talk about on Sunday night briefly again, though, was there was reports that we only went through half our rotations for the first three quarters. So it was it seemed to be a deliberate ploy to um, put more run in, in the guy's legs, maybe. I'm not sure, or handicap ourselves only, in some way. Is there only 60 rotations for the SAFL? I'm not sure what the what the number is, um, but I know that we we didn't use our anywhere. We only used half our allocation or what you'd expect us to use up until three quarter time, um, and then uh, away we went in the last quarter and did it quite comfortably in the end. Um, I heard Riley Knight um, put in a pretty solid effort. Uh, Jared Lyons again a very solid effort. Um, the two lads up forward well, looked all right. Deer and Ramsey. Knight had uh, kicked four goals from 19 possessions. Um, Ramsey kicked four goals. Um, Riley O'Brien had 43 hitouts. Yep. Guys, sorry, I, I just uh, had a problem with my Wi-Fi and, and dropped out there. I've just switched over to uh, to normal internet. Um, did much of my intro there to the SNFL game get on air? And Yeah, mate, was we're the... just carrying on. Okay, no worries. So, anyone see? So, I guess I, was, I didn't actually hear. Did uh, did anyone get a good look at Troy Mental? <laughs> Sorry, listen, if you've discussed listen, it, just listen let it go. to Don't listen, worry. listen to the replay. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll listen to the replay. No. Don't worry. What? No. What we were saying is that neither of us watched it. Um, the interesting point, Pete, and you might have some perspective, is that we only um, played uh, half of, or only used half of our uh, interchange rotations up until three quarter time. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't realise that. Yeah, so that seemed a deliberate ploy to um, either put some more run in the legs, or you know, I don't know what exactly, but uh, might have explained the last quarter surge. I'd say it probably would. I've got a feeling um, if we can maintain this sort of injury list and keep having eighteen, nineteen, twenty AFL listed players playing every week, we're going to destroy the competition this year. Well, we have... And there's probably going to be huge outrage from everyone who's not the Crows um, complaining about how good this, this was always going to be the problem. Um, they were always going to be too good when they had all their players playing and all this sort of stuff. Just uh, going back to that interchange, Froggy on the chat was saying that he heard on the SNFL call that at one stage one of the Port players wanted to come off um, but the port staff told him to stay out. So uh, obviously there was a, an effort by both clubs to um, manage game time uh, off the bench. But I do agree. Dennis, we've got two on our injury list at the moment. It's just insane. Yeah, um, and Hampton's only a week or two away from returning. Yeah. And who's the other one? Oh, um, um, Hunter. Oh, of course, yep. And he's a first-year player who wasn't yeah. going to get any games anyway. Exactly. It's an incredible position for the club to be in Touchwood, everyone. Um, you know, there's not many other clubs that I can see that are in a similar boat than we are at the moment. It's a fantastic position to be in. 
probably just leads a little bit into a little bit of a segue there into selection for this week, which is always an interesting topic for debate. I, I um, I've been pushing the unchanged um, line, and it, uh, I just I can't see where any change needs to be made. I, I thought uh, a bit of pressure on my uh, my boy the rat this week, but I think that uh, interestingly enough, that graphic that you showed um, Phoenix, where um, we played very much the opposite side of the ground, uh, and and the fact that he was playing a very very set wing position, I, I think. I'd be very, very surprised if the coaching staff didn't think that he played his role um, and including um, him this week. I don't think there was any obvious passengers, to be honest, in uh, from what I could see. Um, McKay had a really good opening half uh, and then picked up again in the last quarter. Um, I don't think uh, Rory Atkins will come under too much pressure yet. You'd have to have a couple of quiet games like that before they started questioning his performance. And um, they would know. They would know that he was effectively, I mean, you know, he, he's there. He, he and Seedsman patrol those wings and they're there um, to assist with transition. And um, most of the transition that we got was from around about the middle towards right. And so really that brought Smith... Sloan and Seedsman, you know, largely into play. And um, there wasn't a lot uh, going through the other side wing. Yeah, completely agree with that. He, um, his ability to stay poised uh, under pressure and deliver at 100% disposal efficiency, um, I think he had something like 18 touches and uh, didn't shank one of them, um, really impresses me really does uh, to have someone with such poise and uh skill uh in that back half um he's the new matthew yenchens in terms of being the distributor out of there sorry who who are you talking about rory atkins yeah, yeah i love i have to say i loved his um that uh, i reckon it was the second quarter i think it was and he took the ball in the back pocket and um wasn't an option but Backed himself to uh, dodge him, uh, sidestep around um, the port player, and, and just compose himself, and then just hit up that nice target in the middle and set us on yeah. our way. He's really matured, and, and uh, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a good player. Bacon uh, had... claiming him apparently uh, on the chat, Pete. Well, he yeah, I, 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 I've got to concede. I've got to concede there, Bacon. I've got to concede him. How many posies, right. Dennis? Thirteen. Thirteen was it? I thought it was no, more. He was than that, pretty actually. quiet. Didn't miss and he one. pretty much he had most of them. He had most of them in the second half. He had a very quiet first half. Yeah, he had most correct. of his possessions in the second half. Yeah. Correct, absolutely correct. Yeah, and I think that but probably coincided that too with um, DMAC played a lot in the middle on, in the first half, um, and I think we just changed that up a little bit in the second half too. I think DMAC played more on the wing. So and he's not. Bit of... the exp- they're not asking him. Clear, I mean, clearly, I mean, I mean, we don't we don't hear it, of course, but just from what we can observe on the ground. He's clearly not being asked to go and, and and chase ball and get himself in positions to rack up numbers. He is, and Seedsman's the same. So, and I, I mentioned through the week, I'd be very surprised if either of them rack up more than twenty possessions in a game because they're only playing half the ground. Yeah, Froggy, Froggy, uh, I don't think I've ever confused Rackins and Brown to be honest. But 
in terms of looking busier, I think he was around the ball a lot without getting a, an actual possession, which seems to suggest that they um, that he probably had a few pressure acts. Yep. So I don't. I don't think he'll go. I think he'll stay. I don't. I don't. And I guess the, the other one that comes under consideration, or the, the you know by popular demand that seems to come under consideration, is Cheney, which you know I disagree with. I, I think he's a good player, and um, I, I don't think he'll go. But he's probably the only other one that comes under consideration. But I think that you know, yeah, you know, if you've got somebody who's a you know a proven um, you know hundred game A grade player that's just had a week off for injury and, and you need to shoehorn him back in, well, then obviously you do. But I just don't think we're in that situation. I don't think there's anyone apart from, obviously, we, you know, we'd like to see Knight back, we'd like to see Cameron back, but I'm just not sure how you shoehorn them in at the moment. No, I don't think there's any need to shoehorn them in either. I think, um, you know, uh, pressure for spots and all that, um, I don't think you'd... Ch- I can't see how um, Charlie or, or um, Riley Knight... Or Troy Menzel, um, or Jared Lyons, for that matter, squeeze their way in. Um, or Mitch outs- Grigg. Or uh, see, I think Mitch Grigg's dropped off. He's back probably with Cam Ellis Yolman at the moment. Um, really, in terms of like for like, there's really only a couple of people that come out for Riley Knight. D Max one, and he doesn't deserve to be dropped. Um, you know, you could argue maybe Gov, but he doesn't deserve to be dropped and they're not really like-for-like like anyway. Miller is uh, growing and I think he's building every week, so you certainly don't want to uh, probably replace him until he runs out of puff. Uh, injuries are going to be the only way, I think, for those boys to get in. And we're getting none of those at the moment, for sure. That's I think right. it's, 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 Miller, it's Miller and McGovern that I think that have you know, got their two places. Absolutely. They've done nothing to make it obvious that they shouldn't be there. Ryan B on the chat uh, mentioning that Duty's first kick was backwards 40 metres to the goal square, putting everyone under pressure, um, and that he looked pretty raw and looks to be a long-term prospect. So uh, what are our recruiting... Uh, Duty? Oh, okay. Duty. Duty. Duty, that's it. So uh, whatever our recruiting staff have seen in him... Um, it looks like more of a uh, long-term prospect, which is interesting to spend a top 10 draft pick on a long-term prospect. So, uh, so no, I think we might be debating that in years to come. God, sorry, we... first-round draft pick. Thank you. you have to look at, I guess you have to look at his background, and, 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 and that was that he really, he, I mean, we get kids that have, um, I mean, quite often, you know, we're lucky when we get guys like Miller who have played in the SNFL and played against men. He's played finals. Um, so it's not probably that unusual to expect that he would come in and, and be close, reasonably close to the level. But the next level down you've got, are, you know, kids that come from the under-18s and, and that have, you know, come through the system. And they take a while, generally speaking, to adjust to playing with men. What you've got with with Dude, he's another level below a game because he's a kid that didn't even play a full season of under 18s. He he, he came late to the sport, um, uh, you know, primarily basketball background, um, and then um, it, it ended up playing not a full season, I don't think. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he didn't play a full season in the, the under 18s. Um, and so, you know, he's a real, a real long term prospect, no doubt. 
Which is fine, but do you spend a first round pick on him? Well, that's the question. That, that, I mean, that's the question, and so that's a yeah, that's a whole another can of worms, I guess, as to you know the, the drafting of of Tom and you know I, you know you just have to see how he, he he plays out. I mean, you know, it was only a few months ago that people were sort of you know saying that Harry Wig wouldn't survive on the list for another year, and yet you know look at the way he's blossomed. So you just don't know how they're going to go. Interestingly, and got a feel for this lad, um, a lot of people wanted us to pick up Burton in that draft, um, and I noticed that he uh, did his ACL, or suspected ACL, in a VFL uh, practice match last weekend. So, uh, oh, that's that's a that's a damn shame. Shocking, yeah, that's, shocking that's, news that's for him. He's a lock, terrible, terrible uh, misfortune there, and um, yeah, he's just had a horror horror run. Yeah. So there was talk of us taking the risk um, and, you know, uh, empathy for the young lad, but uh, it looks like we may have dodged a bullet with him. Yeah, I think so. But um, anyway, look, we um, we sit back and, you know, we, 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 we're you know, in the fortunate position where um, our team is just humming along nicely and so we're in a good position where we can afford to take a punt on someone like uh, D-Day and to see how he comes along and give him a... a Year in the SNFL, play you know, learn to play with men, and and um, and and give him some time to adjust. And and uh, look, you know, you've got to back the the recruiters in. They do such a good job, and they've made so many good choices. And so it's very very difficult to um to you know to go against them until we can actually uh, see what the the final result is. Yeah, I'm a little less forgiving than you on that one, uh, Pete. I, I was a bit astounded. Um, that we didn't track a midfielder at that at that spot in the draft, um, and he didn't he didn't seem to be of all the defenders at that top end of the draft. He didn't seem to be the one that stood out and said, "Pick me." So, uh, I mean, I hope for for the lad's sake and for our sake that uh, he develops nicely and turns into a two hundred game player because that's what you want from a first round pick. Absolutely. What else have we got, mate? Did anyone see Pikey on the couch last night? Yeah, I did. He was very impressive. Um, he, he came across very, very well. And um, he, uh, I mean, we all we all have read, I assume, that he, you know, an educated man, a successful man, and does a lot of things outside of football. So he seems a very grounded individual and um, uh, just, you know, came across in that way. But I tell you what, uh, not since the likes of uh, Simon Goodwin interviews have I seen someone give away less in interviews than uh, what that man does. <laughs> yeah, it was all pretty generic, wasn't it? Um, he except... gives nothing. I think what it did highlight, though, is that he is a very calculated, um, um, considered sort of a person. He doesn't look like uh, someone who's going to, you know, sink into histrionics. Um and he certainly is a man with a plan. So, uh, uh, you know, to, to we've made subtle but significant changes in our structure and our game plan over the summer, and that's not easy to achieve in one off-season. So uh, he's obviously able to communicate um, clearly and, and deliver quite well as well. Um, so, Phoenix, did you want to... Um read out yep. uh, Sean's post in there. Yep, just before we um, leave it for this week, um, Big Fella has posted 
And I'll just let me scroll back. Um, that the crows um, have a Sunday fun day. Um, kids will get free access to two Adelaide games in 2016 as the club launches its own Sunday fun day. In a first for Adelaide Oval and the Crows, children will get free tickets to home games against St Kilda and Essendon. So that's an initiative from the club. And, you know, there's been a bit of uh, scuttlebutt and debate and trolling about match day experiences and all the rest of it. My own personal point of view is that this is a very proactive thing by the club. Uh, beats the crap out of having the pot bellies on the, on the far side and, you know, singing a bit of a song. So uh, good on them. You know, I'm glad you raised that because that was something I did want to mention, how impressed I was at the complete and utter lack of pre-match entertainment on Saturday. It, it, it was just good to get back to, you know, not having to sit there and think about, oh, what's it going to be? And just get the players out, start the game and get on with it and let your football do the talking. And all the, you know, the BS that has been going on about this whole pre-match entertainment thing and you know i think at one stage you know brisbane were talking about having a bloody caged lion you know all this rubbish that's going you know just blow the whistle blow the horn and start the game and just get on with it So just a bit more uh, information that we've got through from Big Fella. Uh, so tickets will be available through Ticketek with junior general admission on offer. Uh, the ticket arrangements are free junior general admission with the purchase of any other general admission ticket. And to be eligible for junior general admission, children need to be aged under the age of 15 and applicable only for the June 5 St Kilda game and July 31. Uh, other game, which I think was Melbourne. Sorry, I just had myself on mute there. <laughs> I'm crapping away to I'm, the cat. I'm here. wondering what's going on. I'm thinking. Well, you're breaking up too, Pete. I think that's a sign we should bugger off. <laughs> I think you're done, Pete. Pete, Pete, everything, everything's gone to shit at your end, mate. <laughs> An interesting, interesting chat there. Yeah, thanks for that, Pete. We didn't hear a word of it. <laughs> okay, um, I was just going to say. Can you can can you actually hear me now? Yeah, your Wi Fi yeah. or your internet's just gone. Had a, had a bit of a hissy fit. Has a couple of times. So I was just going to say uh, that was a good evening and and uh, brings us probably to the close of the show. Um, <laughs> it was a good good chatting and it was a quick forty five minutes and always good when the time goes quick uh, means it's a bit of an interesting conversation. Yep. Uh, don't forget we got Scorpus and friends on Thursday night doing the preview uh, for the Richmond game. Um, we've got 
me and I think it's Nikki again and someone else on Sunday, breaking it all down, hopefully another win. Um, and uh, following on from the DMAC interview, we do, we're in the process of uh, organising um, our next player interview, which may be next Tuesday, but otherwise the following Tuesday. And also a couple of other mystery guests uh, lined up over the coming weeks as well. So uh, stay tuned, watch the boards, and when we do get those interviews lined up, we'll certainly post it so that you've got some advance uh, notice to uh, listen in. Beautiful. Thanks, Phoenix, and thanks oh, and uh, just, always. You're... Sorry, just one last thing. Frog just mentioned on the on the chat that Burton was cleared. It's just bruising, so that is good news. Good news. Uh, mate, thanks very much for all the work that you do and all the technical support. We uh, appreciate it, um, as always. Oh, it's Dan, Dan, thanks for being with us tonight. Um, always good to uh, to have you along, and um, we'll no doubt catch you on the uh, the next episode of Tuesday Night Live. And thanks very much to everyone for listening, and um, we'll catch you next time on the Tuesday Night Live cast. Cheers, guys. Have a good night. See you later.